In looking back at seminary, I think that the class that I enjoyed the most was one called Spiritual Formation for Ministry. And uh, it wasn't a class that was scholarly in the same way that, you know, systematic theology or Christian ethics or church history was. And it wasn't a class that was so much practical in terms of the day-to-day -day operation of ministry in a local church. You know, how do you, how do you be a leader in a, a Christian nonprofit? So how do you uh, organize and, and manage um, people and finances? What was else was in pastoral ministry? Uh, oh, the, the details of how to put together an order of service or a wedding or a funeral. There was some classes in seminary that were just very practical. How do you be a pastor in the church? today, and there are some that are very scholarly. This is information you just got to absorb so that you can preach and counsel and, and all those things effectively. But spiritual formation was a little bit different. It was asking the question, how can I as a person really just connect with God? How can I enjoy that relationship with Him? How can I dig deeper? How am I doing? You know, spiritual formation, the forming of a spirit. And how does God form our spirits? How does he shape our souls? How does he work on us? How does he influence us? And uh, this uh, course dug into a lot of Christian practices. So things like prayer, things like fasting, things like worship, things like silence or, or solitude, uh, things like community, and just asked, how did these disciplines, these spiritual practices, help shape us and form us. You know, the things we do shape us, and the things we learn shape us. So I want to be shaped by God. And so it was the most exciting class to me because it felt like, oh, this is about me and God. This isn't just about a role within a church, and this isn't just about information I need to learn. This is real. This is deep. And I loved it. I loved that class. Uh, and the, the thing we probably focused on most in that class, as you might imagine, was prayer. The practice of prayer, the connection with God. And I think people really get prayer um, misconstrued. They misunderstand it. Christians probably too, but definitely those who don't understand what prayer is and what, what faith and connection with God is. I think most people think of it as kind of like a ticket system with God. You submit a ticket and he decides, yes, okay, here you go, your wish is granted. Uh, no, sorry, that's not in my will. Or uh, wait on that one, I'll get back to you later. My timing's not your timing. Um, but it's really not that. It's not that at all. A prayer is the connection that we have with God. It's a personal connection with God. It's plugging in to God. And so I want to talk about prayer today. I want us to think about prayer. I think... Prayer is the power that is going to help us with every single situation that we're going through. Prayer is the connection with God that is going to result in the discernment and wisdom that we need for every decision we're being faced with. Uh, prayer is going to be the antidote to the fears that we feel uh, because we'll be receiving the confidence and trust that God gives, the faith that God gives. We'll be in that place of peace versus on our own, and we're so independent. Uh, prayer is not an independent kind of thought. Prayer is very dependent. And uh, leading up to this message, I had initially begun thinking of prayer as maybe another one of these tools that Jesus gives us to use. But uh, I I've definitely come to a much different conclusion as I've thought about it further. Prayer is actually the power 
which enables all the tools to work. So if last week we recognized that the way we measure and the, the standard of measurement for everything is humility, does it measure up to the humility of Christ? You know, humility is kind of like a tape measure, measure twice, cut once. Well then, if we're gonna be using any of the tools that Jesus gives them, they have to be powered by prayer. So you know, healing is something that we'll do out there in the world. We'll pray for people to be healed and they will, but that has to be powered by prayer. It's not a magic touch. We just touch someone and because we touched them, there's some power in our fingers. No, it's the prayer and connection to God. Father, please bring your healing to this person's body. Amen. Prayer powers healing. Teaching. If we just get up and preach a sermon or teach our, our children around our dinner table or talk to a neighbor across the fence and we're talking, if it just comes from us, we're like, well, this is what I've learned, this is what I know, then it's arrogance. It doesn't actually measure up to the humility test. But if it comes from prayer, it's, Father, what are you wanting to say through me right now? What does this person need to know? Speak. Speak through me, Father. And that connection, that prayer connection is like... Uh, uh, what Jesus gives us to kind of plug into the Father. It's like, a, it's like a tremendously long extension cord that can follow us wherever we go in the world and we have to stay plugged in. Uh, and it, it's not a rechargeable battery. If we're going to take this metaphor, we're really going to go with it. We don't charge up on Jesus one day at a time and then run out that night. We may get tired at the end of a day, but we're always needing to stay plugged into the Father. There's no such thing as running out of the power of God. We're his people, we're plugged in, we have access to that power. Uh, it's just up to us to, to kind of rely upon it, to take advantage of it, to lean into it, if you want to say it that way. So we're not, you know, wireless systems that we get one charge. You know, when you, when you believe in Christ, he gives you kind of like a charge of energy. And you say, okay, I trust you, I'm your apprentice. And you feel great about it. And that, that experience is, you know, powerful. And then it kind of like fades away, it's not because he charged us up and we're running out. It's because we're not relying, we're not abiding in him through this cord, this power, we're not just continually drawing power in. God has limitless power. He's not going to run out. But we need to be connected to him in order to feel that in our lives. And, and I think we largely do feel powerless in our lives, powerless uh, with our healing and our sickness. We feel powerless with world governments and politics. We feel powerless with uh, viruses and we feel powerless sometimes in our relationships. We feel powerless. Like, well, that's not accurate. When we're connected to God intimately, he who has all the power in the universe is personally concerned with giving us the power we need to do the things that he's calling us to. And we have to stay plugged in. We have to stay plugged in, whether it's teaching, whether it's healing, whether it's counseling someone, whether it's worship, whether it's reconciliation, uh, whether it's evangelism, like those all need to be powered by prayer. Um, the Greek word for prayer is prosuke. And it just literally means coming before the face of God with our vows and our requests. So it's like coming into his presence, it's coming before him, it's connecting with him personally. And some of those things will be vows. Father, I want to serve you. I promise to give you my heart, soul, mind, strength. I'm going to be yours today. And other things are requests. You know, Father, can you help me with this? But in that communication, it's not just us submitting a wish list to God and hoping he grants the things we want and then we're on our own. It's not like he gives us a charge and then says, okay, go out and figure it out on your own. He's continually powering us every moment. And before you make a phone call, you say a prayer. God, may your power work through the words I say on the phone. When you're about to go into an interview, you say a prayer. 
right? You pray, you're in conversation with God when you're, you're in conflict with your, your child or with a coworker. Uh, you, you, know, you, do, you don't know what to say. You're, you're in connection with the Father and you just say, okay, Spirit, what do you want to say in this moment? And God speaks to us. So I would like to read some verses on prayer kind of explain how prayer works so that we can dig into it. But it's this huge, vast field of study, right? We, we should spend our lives, our life work should be connecting with God and digging deeper into prayer. And uh, so I wanted to suggest a couple of books that have meant a lot to me and that I know um, have meant a lot to many Christians. They're probably must-reads for every Christian at some point during their walk. They're that important. And maybe the first one I could say is by Richard Foster, The Celebration of Discipline. And so this goes through many different disciplines, prayer, fasting, meditation, solitude, like I had mentioned. So that's Richard Foster's Celebration of Disciplines. Another one by Richard Foster is uh, called Prayer, Finding the Heart's True Home. And so it's just chapter after chapter of different types of prayer. There's so many different types of prayer. And he, he goes through them. I'll give you a couple of the titles just to, to think about them. Uh, simple prayer, formation prayer, covenant prayer, prayer of rest, sacramental prayer, meditative prayer, intercessory prayer, healing prayer, um, prayer of relinquishment. And each chapter is just more and more uh, beautiful than the last and just really profound. And then this last one is by a different author. This is by Dallas Willard, and this is on the spirit of the disciplines. And so this is a lot of the Holy Spirit's work in the disciplines, how we're formed in spiritual formation and discipleship. And uh, those books, I, I couldn't recommend them highly enough. They're amazing. So if you're looking for something more to read, those three would be, would be fantastic. So we're going to read some scriptures on prayer, but before we do so, we need to stop for just a moment to talk about the Trinity, because you can't understand prayer unless you understand the Trinity. They're actually interrelated, you know, inextricably. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And so if you think about prayer and you think about the Trinity, both of these topics are, you know, limitless in how much you could study. And if I simplify them so we can understand them, don't let that make you think that these are simple topics. They're not. There's much mystery in them. But we can understand what God has given us to understand. That's why we just read the Bible. And what we can see is what we can know. And then we dig deeper from there. We try to understand more, but we know the basics. And so when we pray, do you pray to Jesus? Do you pray to the Holy Spirit? You pray through the Holy Spirit to Jesus. You pray only to the Father. There are different types of prayer. Um, do we pray together? Is it more powerful when Christians pray together or when we pray alone? When you pray in secret, like Jesus said, is that more powerful than when you pray out loud in a church service or a Bible study or a missional community? Um, when we pray, are we talking to God or are we listening to God or both? Is it not about the words at all? Is it just the connection? These are the sorts of things we need to understand. But you can't understand that if we have kind of like haphazard views of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that God is three persons, three in one, tripartite. And you see that from creation all the way through Revelation. Genesis to Revelation, you see it in Jesus most clearly, but it's throughout. So what does that mean? That means that there's this God, creator of all, who has a word that he speaks. And through his word, things come to be. The world comes to be. Eventually that word 
becomes flesh and speaks life, speaks God's power into the world. That's Christ. The Spirit of God is active in the world, comes and rests in certain places in the temple, the Shekinah glory of God, the tabernacle before that for the Jewish people. It rests on people. And through Jesus, there was this kind of distribution of the Spirit that all who believe would have the Spirit rest on them. God's glory cloud kind of dwell upon them so that they could be in God's presence. So Jesus is a unifier between man and God. We're separated by sin. He's the Word of God, the active Word of God. And God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit are kind of like in conjunction. They, they work together. They are the Godhead, as we call it, a triune God, the Trinity. So when we pray, you know, Jesus is the cord that connects us to God. The Holy Spirit is kind of what we plug into. Our heart, our lives, the Holy Spirit is within us. And this cord that connects us, this power cord, connects straight to God. So we're connected straight to God. We pray in the Spirit. We live in the Spirit. We dwell in the Spirit. But it's through Christ that we have access to the Father. And before Christ connected us, it was God and man separate and God's Spirit kind of intervening in various places. But with Christ, it's every believer accessing God through Christ in the power of the Spirit. And so those three parts of the Godhead, the three ways that we can understand the persons of God, the triunity of God, are super important. Because when you pray, you want to think about this process. How am I communicating to God? Who am I praying to? So the verses in the Bible on the Trinity that can help us understand this relationship are as follows. In Genesis 1, 1 through 3 says, uh, In the beginning God created the heavens and earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And then God spoke his word and said, Let there be light, and there was light. That's the first example of the Trinity. It's in the first, first few verses of your Bible. God creates and his spirit is hovering over and then he speaks and the word makes things happen. Okay? John, who, you know, the, the disciple whom Jesus loved, the beloved one, uh, in, first, uh, in John chapter 1, 1 says, In the beginning was the word, this kind of spoken word, the act of the logos of God. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and he was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. God spoke things into being and without him was not anything made that was made and in him was life and that life was the light of men. So Jesus is the word and that word becomes incarnate, becomes flesh. And that's what the gospel of John goes on to talk about. What is this word, this, this voice of God, this active power of God, this son of God, this Messiah, God in human form. You see, creation to John chapter 1. When Jesus is baptized at the very beginning of his ministry, Matthew three sixteen. When Jesus was baptized, immediately he came up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest upon him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. So the people that are there, John the Baptist, Jesus the crowds, see Jesus, the Word of God in human form, come up out of the water. They see the Holy Spirit come down as a dove. He's being like anointed and commissioned for his ministry and connected with the Father for all the things that are about to start happening immediately. And for the next five years until his crucifixion and resurrection. And the voice from heaven says, this is my son. There's the Trinity at work. So if we move through Jesus' ministry to the end of his ministry, uh, he commissions his disciples. This is Matthew 28, 18. 
Jesus then came and said to them, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. So I'm the connection from heaven to earth has been given to me. So therefore you go and make disciples of all nations, make apprentices of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So our baptism, our commissioning into apprenticeship, you know, the way we seal the deal, this ceremony, a covenantal thing, is supposed to be done according to Jesus in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So he's teaching the Trinity, he's teaching the Godhead, not just God the Father, not just Jesus in human form, not just the Spirit, but all of the ways that we can interact with God, all the ways we can understand Him, all of the facets that we can see of God and teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you and surely I will be with you always to the end of the age. So his connection with us will stay permanent. Um, another example in John 14, Jesus said, verse 25, these things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. So I'm going back to the Father and the Father will send you the Holy Spirit. Right? The three parts of God as we understand him. Jesus is absent from us in the body, but he's present with us in the spirit. He's given us his spirit, and that proceeds from the Father through the Son to us. 1 Corinthians 12, Paul writes, Now, Christians, uh, concerning the spiritual, like the spiritual realm, spiritual things, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you're pagans, you were led astray to mute idols. But I want you to understand that no one ever speaking in the Spirit of God, so speaking in the Spirit, can say Jesus is accursed. You can't separate the Spirit of God from Christ. They're one. So you can't be praying in the Spirit, speaking in the Spirit, and say Jesus is cursed. So this, could we, this is how we could know. Are we from God or others from God? Is there consistency there? No one can say, um, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but there is the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And varieties of activities, but the same God who empowers them all in every one. So you see this connection? God empowering Christ is the connection. The Holy Spirit is our point of connection, is within us. Uh, Ephesians 4 says the same thing. Ephesians 4, 4. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. And when Paul gives the last verse here, when Paul gives his closing blessing in 2 Corinthians 13, 14, he says, May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, right, that unmerited blessing, unmerited, undeserved favor, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God, right, God's love, God so loved the world, and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. The, the Holy Spirit is what binds us together. It's unity. It's God's Spirit within each of us that draws us together. And Jesus is that connection point that we all have to God. He's who we're all following. He's linking us to the Father, and God's love is being poured out to us. It's what empowers all the gifts, all the spiritual gifts, all the talents, all the everything. <laughs> it's got to be powered from God, and you can't unplug. And you can't just charge up and walk away. It's not an independent sort of thing. It's a very dependent sort of thing. So if we look at prayer in this light, we recognize that it's not um, living our lives on our own, trying to remember all the stuff that we read in the Bible. No, it's staying connected to God so that the Holy Spirit will remind us of everything we need in the moment. You know, for those who are single and are praying, God, show me, reveal to me who is the person that you're leading me towards. Is there a person out there? You can't just flip open the Bible and say, 
uh, oh, here's the name of the person, here's the day that I'm going to meet them, or, or even find in there God saying, sorry, it's not my will for you to have a partner in this way. Please rely upon me. It's for greater purposes. You know, love me the way you would love a spouse. It just doesn't give an answer. Is there a person? Is there not a person? Who is the person? It just says, trust in me with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. All your ways acknowledge me, and I will make your path straight. Uh, Proverbs says, you know, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Uh, the connection with God is our discernment. It's the voice of God whispering in our ear. So when we're sitting across the table as a single person from someone we're, we're getting to know, you know, we're on a date, we're, we're talking to them, we should be able to have either the green light from the Holy Spirit, that connection to God within us, be like, there's something in here that I feel is from God. Or, you know, the warning sound, the buzzer, warning, 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 this is not from God. This is just wanting a relationship with someone, and even if God isn't part of the picture, this feels good, so let's go for it. Well, ultimately, that's going to be to our detriment, and God doesn't want to just give us all the answers and then have us operate independently from Him. He wants us to stay connected to Him so that He gives us everything we need. We can live lives that are, that are full and rich and blessed in every way. And in every decision then say, ah, I feel the Holy Spirit nudging because through Christ the Father is pouring out His power and His wisdom. And whatever we need at any time, and you can't run out. There's no way to unplug for saved people. You are saved. You have been saved. And you can't be lost. So this connection is always there. The question is whether we use it whether we rely upon it, whether we abide in that power from God or not. So, these are the scriptures on prayer. I would love for you to think about your own prayer life as I'm reading these. And think about whether in your prayers you feel powerless. Uh, think about your prayers. Do you just have a few prayers that you pray over and over? Uh, or is every prayer a unique encounter with God? Um, think about whether you feel close to God or whether you feel like God is distant from you. Maybe you've kind of settled for the rechargeable battery kind of model from God and it's like, well, I did feel close to him once, but over time it's getting less and less. Um, we, we can burn out if we're trying to operate on our own power. You can't burn out or run out of steam if you're plugged into the outlet. You're just plugged into the Father through Christ in the Spirit. And that power just keeps coming. And so it doesn't mean we're not tired. It doesn't mean we always know everything, you know, looking for wisdom and discernment, know exactly what to do. That's, that's the walk of faith. But we're never alone and we're never powerless. And so hear these scriptures and think about how God might be inviting you to come before his face, to talk with him, to hear from him. It may even be that when you just spend enough time with him, connected with him, that uh, all those things which seem so important that we really had to pray about, they pale in comparison to just the beauty and joy of getting into God's presence. And so then all of a sudden the answers could go either way at that point because we have peace that rises above and goes beyond our struggles. Um, if you want to see miracles, you have to pray. You need God's power. And these scriptures teach us how it works. So please, please listen. The first scripture is from Ephesians chapter 2, uh, verse 14. It's about Christ and his role in prayer. Jesus is our peace. He has made us one and broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. Verse 16, so that he might reconcile us to God in one body through the cross 
thereby killing the hostility. He came and preached peace to you who are far off and peace to those who are near. For through him, we all have access in one spirit to the Father. Through Christ, we all have access in the spirit to the Father. Do you pray in the spirit? Do you pray through Christ to the Father the way Jesus taught us to pray? Romans 8 verse 26 Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts, this is God the Father, knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. You don't even need words when you pray. It's not a ticket system. God, I need this. God, help with this. God, tell me what to do. No, it... If you just come to God with our base feelings, core emotions in that moment, the Holy Spirit will translate them to the Father. We don't need to explain to God who we are, what we're feeling. He knows it all already. So be in the Spirit and connect to the Father and the Holy Spirit, this person of God. The Spirit of God will be interceding and even translating for us. So there's no such thing as a dumb prayer. There's no such thing as praying wrong, except maybe not praying. Or like Jesus says, you know, praying for others to think you're a good prayer. Or praying over and over to hopefully convince God. No, just be in the Spirit. That's Romans 8. Uh, another passage from Romans 8, um, verse 34. Who can condemn us? Christ Jesus is the one who died, more than that, who was raised, and is at the right hand of God, who is indeed interceding for us. So who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Verse 37, no, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And I am sure that nothing in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So the love of God connected from Christ who's interceding. He's the connection point. He's the cord. We have to stay plugged in. If we don't stay plugged in through prayer, we'll never have the power. We'll never have the wisdom. We'll never have the discernment. We'll never have the joy. never have the peace because those things are God's territory. They're his characteristics and we can only have them if Jesus Christ is interceding on our behalf and we're receiving them through the connection of the Holy Spirit. And we go to such lengths to try to find happiness and find pleasure and, and entertain ourselves, but we don't go to the source of all those pure versions of those things to actually feel happy and contented and confident and secure and at peace. If Jesus is for us, who can be against us? You know, if my money is for me, who can be against me? Well, lots of people, lots of things. Your money yourself is opposed to you. If my, my beer is for me, my wine is for me, my drink is for me, who can be against me? Well, lots of people can be against you. You can be against you. That alcohol is certainly against you at some level. But if Christ is for you, who can be against you? He's the source of the pure versions of all these things. But we just so often don't go to God and connect in prayer. We go to God and we ask for stuff, or we don't even pray. And then we wonder why our lives have so little power. We even do it with fellowship in the church. You know, if we, if we organize a Thanksgiving Day meal or, or a big fellowship thing or a serve home thing, we all sign up, we all show up, we invite friends, we're excited, and we expect that that connection with other believers is going to like give us energy and joy. It's going to be a beautiful thing and we can't wait to get there because we want connection. But when we plan a prayer meeting, nobody shows up. 
And that's where the real connection is going to come, the real peace, the real joy. Not just because you hung out with some friends, but because you connected to God. Now, when we're all connected to God and we hang out, that's sort of like residual overflow. The Holy Spirit overflows into us, and that is a connection. That's the body of Christ, where the God's temple being built into a spiritual house. So that that is a real thing, but isn't it interesting that we would rely upon the collective overflow of everyone instead of just going straight to the Father ourselves? That shouldn't be. It's just too much missed opportunity. We're not unplugged from God ever. So let's draw from his power. Let's lean into him. Uh, Ephesians 6, 18, it says, praying at all times in the spirit. So when you pray, you need to be in the spirit. You can't be just too locked into your head. It can't be too logical. It can't just be in your heart. I want this. I want that. It can't be too transactional. Here you go, God. I want something back. It can't be too like, woe is me. You'd never love me. Never. It's just got to be in the spirit. Just coming into the presence of God, which is really within us. He's given us that spirit, the glory of God. Being in that and connecting to Father. Ephesians 6, 8, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayers and supplications. He's saying, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplications for all the saints and even for me, that words may be given to me, Paul, in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. So Paul's saying, pray that words may come from me, that I may be given words, because I'm staying connected to the Father through Christ in the Spirit. Did you ever think about it, that when we, if we really believe in prayer, we believe that our prayers can change other people's lives? So do you pray for me? Do you pray for other pastors? Pray for every pastor that when they speak, God will be giving them words. But if that pastor, if I also believe in prayer, it means that I am willing to be influenced by the prayers of others. You know, only if I believe that when others pray, it can change my life, will I be open to the fact that God will use the people around me to shape me just as much as he can use me and my prayers to shape others. So it's a very flexible, moldable, shapeable thing to believe in prayer. We don't just say, oh, well, I pray for others. Like, well, who's praying for me? For me? Who's changing my life? Who's changing your life by praying into your life? Paul's saying this is how it works. We're all connected in the Spirit. When we pray in the Spirit, we can pray influential prayers that change other people's lives. Well, who's changing our lives? Praise God for all those people that have prayed for you and for me over the years, that have shaped us into who we are. And, and may we settle into that spirit and pray in that way for our children. You can influence your children's lives. Pray into their lives in the spirit that God's love may flow through Christ to power them for their gifts, for their struggles, for their joys, that they may be confident in God when the world around them is a mess. Us, them, everyone. Even the beginning of the book of Revelation, I had mentioned that you see the spirit in beginning and the end. In Revelation 1.9, John says, I, John, your brother and partner in the tribulation and the kingdom and the patient endurance that are in Jesus, I was on the island called Patmos on account of the word of God. So he was exiled on account of preaching for Christ. Uh, on account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. And I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet saying, write what you see in a book and send it to the seven churches. So the book of Revelation, which is God's word, came when John was just in the spirit on the Lord's day. He wasn't like, all right, God, I really need a good book that I can send out to the church. Can you give me a moment of inspiration here? And he wasn't like, oh man, save me from my exile. He was just there. And wherever he is, he knows he stays connected to God because nothing can separate us from the love of God. So he's on an island in exile and he's just having church. 
I don't know if others were there with him or it was just him, but he, in the spirit, in that prayer, received the entire book of Revelation. Our prayers don't often look like that. They more sort of look like, okay, God, I've got this appointment later. Please help it to go well. And my unsaved loved ones, and please work with the country, and please keep us safe from the coronavirus. Like, it's this very transactional kind of thing. And God's there, but God knows everything before we say it, so he, he doesn't need to be informed. He wants us to be connected, a personal connection with God, personal relationship through Christ, right? James 1, 5 through 8, just a few more verses to let the Bible teach us about this prayer connection so that we can then be connected and pursue. It's going to look different for us as we pursue it. I can't give you answers as to what it needs to look like for you, but this is for us to hear every scripture and say, Jesus, how do I in the Spirit pray through you to God the Father so that I may stay connected so that you may use me in this world and build your king? Like, that's your job as an apprentice. That's mine to stay plugged in. It's not to unplug the power tool and then go over here and try to use it. Oh, I'm praying. Oh, I'm doing lots of stuff. And Jesus said, you're not doing that through my power. You're doing that in your own name. You're trying to disconnect from the Father and do your own thing. No, stay connected and let him lead you. It's that sort of thing. So please personalize these prayers. This is God's custom tool, custom instruction for each of us. Take it that way, please. Receive it that way. James 1, 5 through 8. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. So you need wisdom, ask for it, and he'll give it. Promise. Period. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. So you're not praying in the Spirit if you're praying in doubt, because the Spirit is connected with the Father, so just this confidence. Holy Spirit, yeah, Jesus, Father, speak to me, speak through me. What are your, what's your will in this? There's no doubt in that. It's just waiting and listening. God will speak because he said he would. So if it doesn't happen immediately, then it'll happen in a minute or it'll happen in a day or it'll happen in a decade. But there's no doubting because that's what God promises. So we just pray in the spirit. The person who doubts is like a wave of the sea that's driven and tossed by the wind. And that person is not supposed to receive anything from the Lord. He's double-minded. He's got two opinions. He's unstable. It's like one leg's shorter than the other. He's unstable. He, he has two minds. I believe in God, but I'm not really sure. Either we believe that God will answer our prayers or we don't. Either we believe that we can just sit in the spirit and allow God to speak to us and through that have the power for all we don't. You can't both believe and not believe. We can pray for greater faith. We can believe a little and pray for more. That's beautiful. But we can't doubt and believe. Those are two opposite things. Also in the book of James, chapter 4, verse 2 and 3, it says, You do not have because you do not ask. We really want our children to grow up to love the Lord, to know how much Jesus loves them and the plans he has for their lives, how beautiful they are in God's sight. Do you pray for your children? Do you pray for their future spouses? Do you pray for their health? Do you pray for the times of trials and testings that they'll go through? Your, your neighbors, your siblings, you know? Do we have not because we ask not? But, James says in verse 3, you ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. So a lot of times our prayers are just selfish. And sometimes, you know, if we go back to that example of, of being a single Christian trying to pursue God, sometimes we want what we want. We want that relationship with the person so much that we're willing to try to find it at all costs. 
and we end up trading our relationship with God for a relationship with another person. And in the end, that's not going to result in God's well-being done and us seeing ourselves thrive connected to the Father. It's going to result in us getting pulled further and further from God. You know, do we want single friends, family members, teenagers? Do you want a relationship with someone so that you can feel good? Because just having that relationship will make you feel better. Well, that is not actually what a relationship does. A relationship actually is really very challenging. The connection with God, knowing that we are made in His image and that we are uniquely suited to the things He has for us, that what gives, is what gives us our inherent worth. And then when we partner with someone, they can help us to like thrive and become the best version of what we are with God. Are we praying for a partner so that we can spend what we have on our sinful passions? Can we, so that we can just get what we want so we can feel better? Like, that's a hard prayer. Please do not give me a spouse just so I can feel better. Give me a spouse so that I may be able to help them to live into the image of God that they were designed to be. Father, give me a spouse that may challenge me to grow into the image of God that I was called to be. Is our prayer uh, in the spirit or is it in the flesh? And you can't pray both ways. So be thinking about our motives. Be thinking about praying in the Spirit. Be thinking about praying for unity. Jesus in Matthew 7, 7 says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. Everyone who asks, receive. Everyone who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks will be opened. Which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or he asks for a fish, give him a serpent? If you then, who are sinful, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things, or Luke says, give the Holy Spirit, to those who ask him? So there's a promise. God is there for you. You are not on your own. Believing that, seeing what he's blessed us with, praying with thanksgiving and all things, um, allows us to be in connection with God and not feel like if God hasn't answered the prayer we wanted or given us what we thought we needed, that we're therefore somehow disconnected from him. That's not true. Jesus in Matthew 6 says, When you pray, don't be like hypocrites. They love to stand and pray in the synagogues that they may be seen by others. I say to you truly, they've already received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees what is in secret will reward you. And when you pray, don't heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. They think they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father already knows before you ask Him. Pray then like this. So this is Jesus' instruction on prayer. Our Father in heaven. So praying to the Father through Christ in the Spirit. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Please give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This is just like what Jesus did in Luke 6, 12. It said, In those days he went out to the mountain to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. How is your connection with God? Do you pray in the Spirit? Are you trusting that God has good things, that God loves you and wants to 
empower you to use all the gifts that he's given you. Prayer is, for most of us, our missed opportunity in faith. Ultimately, we're trying to learn skills from Jesus and then just do them on our own. And that's living according to the flesh. But if we live according to the Spirit, we will see fruit. We will see blessings. There's so many different ways to pray. These books touch on so many of them. There are, there are formulas for prayer. There are types of prayer. But instead of giving you instructions on how to pray, I would rather encourage you to sit down and pray in the Spirit right now. God knows what you need. You don't have to inform Him. But connect with the Father right now. Open up your heart to Him. Share the things that are on your mind. Not in just a requesting kind of way, but in a conversational way. And then sit and listen. Father, what are you saying? Holy Spirit, what are you communicating to me on behalf of the Father? Let us follow the example of Jesus, who was the Master. He prayed all the time. He prayed faithfully. He didn't wait till things fell apart and then use prayer as kind of like a get-out-of-jail-free card. He didn't neglect prayer until it was too late. He didn't only pray when he was about to have something traumatic or tremendous happen. He just stayed in prayer. He was faithful in prayer. He abided in prayer. We need to abide in Christ, connected to the Father in the same way that he did. And he promises he will abide in us. So may, may your lives evidence power this week as you pursue your own spiritual formation with the Lord. May you dig deeper into prayer than you've ever dug before. May you experience a connection with God that's richer than you've ever experienced before. May you hear God's voice in clearer ways than you've ever heard before. May you experience peace that you've never experienced as a result of casting all your cares upon Him for He cares for you. Bring all your requests to Him and then He will guard your hearts and minds. You know, Philippians chapter 4. May you be diligent in the beautiful spiritual discipline of prayer and may it shape who you are and may it powerfully change your life and bring God's kingdom to earth this week. God bless you, church.